everybody. Welcome into the I Want to Know podcast. I'm your host, Greg Jones, and I'm the one leading you on this inquisitive departure into audio wisdom. Thank you to you guys for listening to the show. We have a very special guest today, Robert Graves. But before we get to him, I want to thank you for listening. Thank you for telling a friend. Thank you for checking out the show. Uh, I want to remind everybody, if you need more information on any guest, like Robert or anybody else, you head over to IWantToKnowShow.com. Click on the guests section. I have links to books, links to their web pages, whatever we talk about, there's links there for you to find, as well as ways to listen to the show. So don't forget to do that, and don't forget to follow us on all our fancy social medias. Anyways, enough about that. On to today. For the very first time in I Want to Know History, I am being joined in studio by Robert Graves. He's a life coach, certified hypnotherapist, living in Southern California, uh, focuses on, on athletic peak performance training and military transition assistance. That's a lot to say. He has dedicated civilian time to learning and pursuing ways to help those in need with special attention to adolescents, veterans, and uh, those suffering from autoimmune diseases. How to Grow a Beard, a Military Transition Guide Back into Civilian Life is his book. It was written after six years of his personal transition, after serving 10 years in the Marine Corps. Aims to help members of the military transition easier back into civilian life. Robert, thank you for joining me. Such a such a wordy uh, open there. Anyways, <laughs> thank you for coming in. Thank you for being our first uh, in-guest our in-studio in guest, nice. I should say. I appreciate it. I appreciate yeah. it. It's not, you know, I've gone to other people, but I never had anybody come in. So this is, this is nice. The listeners get a little better audio quality. That's always a, that's always a good thing. So Treasure. Yes. Hidden treasure. <laughs> exactly. So, You're welcome, audio listeners. That's right. All you audiophiles <laughs> out there like me that, that listen to Skype interviews go, come on. Yeah. <laughs> you are welcome. It's going to sound so much better. <laughs> uh, anyway, so let's just, let's get into it. You were, you're in the Marine Corps for 10 years and the book you started it off by saying like no fucking way will i be <laughs> <laughs> no you know i actually i i firmly enjoyed my full time in the marine corps uh i thought i was going to be a lifer which is basically you're going to do 20 years um or more mm -hmm. uh and um so while i was in i was you're either a technical guy or you know a master of your mos your trade mm -hmm. or you're a troop handler and so uh i kind of blended well with both but i tended to kind of talk to my or acknowledge myself as a troop handler and so uh i i got out after an unfortunate fight which you know steamrolled into me having to get out because i didn't make you have to be a certain rank and a certain uh pay grade okay. um at a certain time so time and service time and grade is a is a qualification you need to move on uh in the ranks and so i didn't make time and grade okay uh and so i was uh i was kind of let forced to walk away from something I, my dream right um and when i got out uh i thought i was just gonna party it up for the next three months <laughs> you know, then go back to okinawa and live with um you know my people there and uh i got out here and um when i when i kind of readjusted and and found out that this was where my life was going to be um i did the whole go get a job and uh the life of what you think a civilian should be and you know the the average normal citizen so i went and got a government contracting job right you know uh it took me a while to find a job because i was looking for the right amount of money which um you know going into the military as a 17 year old kid and coming out as a 27 year old kid you don't know what the right amount of money is you just know that you know you just want enough to have fun <laughs> exactly and, yeah 
but you know, at that point, you know, I wanted enough to be an adult, you know? And, right. Um, so I knew, I knew that anything under 50 K was like not going. And then when I got something a little over 50 K, it took about, you know, five to six years to realize that 50 K <laughs> wasn't, it wasn't the number either. So, yeah. but, uh, yeah, the book came after, um, just walking the life of a person who had to figure things out for himself. Cause we, in the military, you have a support system, you know, you can ask, you can legitimately go to the chow hall and walk up to anybody and say, Hey, you know, do you know how to X, Y, Z? Sure. And, uh, out here it's not the same. Uh, if I need questions, well, in the beginning, now I'm more resourceful, but in mm-hmm. the beginning I didn't know who to turn to. And all we know is like, go to the VA, but you can stay on the phone with the VA. I have a story in my book <laughs> where, <laughs> you know, uh, I called the VA and I was on hold for so long. And then I got in my car from Reseda down to, uh, uh, the Santa Monica VA and right. I was still on hold and had been called to be seen before I even hung up the phone. So it's insane. Uh, and it's, it's a story that every veteran is very, you know, yeah. uh, you know, they hold it near them cause they've experienced it. And so, um, being resourceful and having to go through all this stuff and, uh, being a troop handler in the Marine Corps and having people, you know, write to me with a letter of recommendation request and stuff like that. I, I just kind of figured that I can still hold that title out mm-hmm. here and give back the knowledge, you know, that, that whole pay it forward kind of, you know, uh, lead the foundation because there's so many people in front of me who've walked this path sure. that, uh, that, um, I didn't meet till afterwards. And so like I walk in the path now, why not just, let somebody know that this path has been walked by many, many, many more people before them. And they don't have to do all the trips and stumbles, stumbles that, you know, the rest of us had to. Yeah. I mean, I'm obviously looking at it from the outside, but it seems like, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. It seems like, you know, you're kind of, you're, you're dismissed and the, yep, there's the VA and uh good luck. Yeah. And, uh, you know, um, <clears throat> I'm smiling, but uh, it, it's actually one of the biggest problems um, that veterans kind of arrive at right now. Uh, mm-hmm. Because while while we're in, we have this um, this chain of command. And so, for instance, you know, to kind of dumb it down a little bit, if I if you're my sergeant and I say, "Hey, uh, Sergeant Greg, do you uh, can I go to Chow?" Mm-hmm. and you're like, "No," then <laughs> I don't go above you and say, "Hey, Sergeant Greg said I can't go to Chow. <laughs> Staff Sergeant, can I go to Chow?" No, when you're when you tell me no in the Marine Corps or any service, yeah, like no is no, and so the same mentality when these when these guys get out after four years or thirty, and the Marine Corps and the VA tells them no, uh, you know, um, a lot of people, a lot of people, a big percentage of people will take that no, that very first no, and then run with that, you know, yeah. uh, not understanding that. You know, the person behind the counter may not have fully understood the question sure. uh, or is not the person to be talking to. Right. Or So, um, uh, yeah, I, I got the push out and, um, and you know, I ran into these problems with the VA. But because I'm pretty persistent, um, I, I'm not going to take no for answer. Well, who can tell me this answer or who do I need to talk to or what is the procedure? You know, I and so going through that for so many years throughout my uh, you know, I'm going back in for surgery at the VA right now. This, mm-hmm. The VA is taking care of me fully. And, you know, I, I don't – I have a better uh, vision of the VA than <laughs> a lot of other vets do because I've just put myself out there uh, and and been – 
pretty persistent with the no's and made them turn into yeses. You kind of forced your way through, though. Yeah, you have to out yeah. here. You know, and, and as a civilian, you know, as a veteran in the civilian world, you have to learn that, um, you know, these no's, um, these no's are just, you know, blocks mm-hmm. you know and you can, you have to walk right over them yeah they're not a, they're not absolutes they're uh yeah. challenges but and i think a story from the book that describes that very well was when you're talking about you had your first civilian job after being back <laughs> and you're sitting there waiting for someone to tell you to go to lunch yeah. and everyone's just like hey why aren't you going to lunch like, <laughs> well are they going to tell us yeah i was waiting for a bell or you know somebody yeah. to walk around and say all right graves time to go to chow you know <laughs> and uh and it was funny because I'd already, you know, I'd been out since at that point. I'd gotten out at February and got my first job in September. And so uh, September 20th through 23rd, you know, I know because I was hired September 20th, you know, I'm sitting there waiting for somebody to say, all right, chow time, let's go, you know. But, uh, you know, when I found out, it was, it, I look back now, it's hilarious, but, you know, I was in a full suit, you know, everybody else, <laughs> I was jeans and it's just, it's a learning curve. So. Yeah, I would imagine. I mean, obviously, <laughs> I was never military, so yeah. it just makes total sense to me. It's like, all right, it's noon, I'm hungry, I'm yeah, going to lunch going now. To lunch. <laughs> you know, I mean, we had a little bit of that when I was in high school. You know, you work at McDonald's and you kind of schedule breaks. Yeah. So there's a little bit of that. But yeah, I, I guess I could imagine if you never really had a civilian job and yeah. you just immediately went to this this structure. I mean, that's what it is. It's a complete structure. Yeah. Everything is, is planned out for you and everything is permission, all that stuff. Yeah, and my, uh, my boss at the time um, had been prior service. In fact, he had my job 16 years before I had my job in the Marine oh, Corps. Okay. So um, I had uh, I'd kind of thought that he was going to show me the ropes or, you know, hoped. Um, right. But when I, when I was hired on, he the very only thing he said to me is, uh, I expect you to work harder than anybody else here. And so, you know, taking that to stride, you know, here I am sitting at my desk working through child for three years. <laughs> oh, man. So so going back to your time in the Marine, what was your job while you were in? Um, I was a radar technician. So uh, essentially when you first joined, um, when I joined up, you had to go through uh, a school, an MOS school. And so my school was about a year long. And I learned the fundamentals of radar, uh, electronics and mechanics. So um, I was a radar uh, repairman, and then I re-enlist, and you go back through school again and mm-hmm. learn a little deeper into the systems and become a radar technician. Okay. I also held a secondary job as a, a primary marksmanship instructor, um, so mm-hmm. eighty-five thirty-one PMI. So I taught Marines how to shoot and took them to the range, and you know that's pretty impressive. And I like to say <laughs> on the record that uh, um, I hold. No unqualified. So, like, if you're listening and you're military, you understand that. Uh, you can go to the range and you can shoot unqualified. Mm-hmm. You can go marksman, sharpshooter, or uh, or expert. And okay. So, uh, nobody under me has ever unqualified. So, well, that's, that's a proud good. moment for me. <laughs> Still to this day. That's pretty good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> where, were you, where were you stationed? Um, for the uh, school after boot camp is mm-hmm. in 29 palms Ooh. and so i was in 29 palms paradise yeah. <laughs> for those of you not from southern california yeah if you're not from southern california there's a there's a myth that uh <laughs> joshua trees grow in two places heaven and hell and <laughs> so uh you have know, you noticed like all the all the nicest places out here have the worst names and vice versa yeah. I mean, 29 palms yeah. it sounds great yeah. or hawaiian gardens yeah. it sounds nice <laughs> opposite yeah psych yeah <laughs> No, uh, I was in, so, uh, 
from repair school and tech school, I spent a total of three years in 29 Palms. Uh, I did two years in McTissa and, and uh, Camp Pendleton, which um, would also seem nice. But every morning, uh, there's this you know crazy overcast, and mm-hmm. you know, it probably burns off at like four in the afternoon. So, uh, but McTissa was nice. But the the majority of my time, five years in Okinawa in Japan. Oh, nice. Uh, and which is also one of those things um, where you would say, "Oh my God, you're living in heaven," you know, you're on a <laughs> tropical. But uh, a lot of people on Okinawa and in Hawaii, you know, they leave the island and they're like, thank you, God, <laughs> for, you know, getting me off this because it's, it's all water lost, right? The, oh, there's nowhere to go, you know. It's a little, like, trapped feeling? Or? Yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, well, you know, if you don't get out and do much, it, it can feel trapped, right? Yeah. Um, in Okinawa, you're three things. You're, you become a, a Bible thumper, a gym rat, or an alcoholic. <laughs> and so... Uh, you know, and there's a few people who kind of linger between, but, yeah. um, that's, that's basically what you turn into in Okinawa because of how small it is. Um, I found, uh, my second time around, I, I was uh dive certified. And so that's kind of mm-hmm. where I found my outlet, uh, going diving out there. The most beautiful diving I've ever I experienced bet. in my life. Yeah. So you just kind of did everything while you were there. I, uh, I mean, while you were in the service, you had, you know, you, um, if you don't take advantage and, even after being out now, mm-hmm. there's a lot of things I wish I had done before. But if you don't take advantage of that stuff while you're in the military, then you're really doing yourself a huge disservice. Um, like, for instance, you can get space A travel. And space A travel means um, basically if you're living near an Air Force base mm-hmm. or any base that has uh, a uh, air an airstrip, um, those guys go on um, exercises. So, like, from mm-hmm. Okinawa, they might go on an exercise to uh mainland japan or australia or you know the philippines mm-hmm. and if there's you know a space space a space available if there's oh, any okay. space on there you can get on that plane and then take a trip over to oh. the philippines or yeah and it's free can you, you still sh- do that uh well i don't have a retired military if i had oh, a retired okay. military idea i would be able to do that but uh yeah while you're in you can do that so all these guys taking leave and mm-hmm. coming back home and just like you know i uh, shooting the shit, you know, yeah. with their friends. Um, <clears throat> instead of like going in to Germany or you know going to France or going to you know South America, like it, the it's limitless what you can do. That's insane. Yeah, and then all these other extra trainings, jungle warfare training, where you know not you could you could be an admin clerk and then sign up to go to jungle warfare training and then put yourself into a jungle for the week learning how to eat snakes and stuff like that i mean some of the coolest training in yeah. the world you can do through the military and just like being on the civilian world though if you're not told about it right how would you know then yeah. you don't know about it for instance um i played all marine volleyball which is the olympic you know it's it's the olympic equivalent to the service okay so you know i I practiced and I had tryouts essentially for 30 days straight playing volleyball for nine hours a day. (laughs) You know, I tore my ligaments on the day before, you know, they called the, um, they, uh, they named the team. Oh, really? And, uh, I still made the team, but you know, it, it was an honor to be at that level. You're at the highest level. You've beat out, you know, dozens of other people for that same spot. And so those are opportunities that that are in the service and yeah i i when i found out about them i definitely tried to get on them mm-hmm. so. that's really cool i've never heard of most of that stuff <laughs> yeah there's so many other things out there you know uh in the olympics there were um a few army army rangers on the uh, shooting squad and mm-hmm. uh, i think um one of the table tennis 
uh, there are a few veterans or military active duty military members mm-hmm. um, on the judo team. There was one. No, but yeah, that's out. It's out there. It's yeah. out there. It's out there. It's out there. So very cool. In the book, you said uh, the reason, or you, the, you told your recruiter the reason you wanted to join is because you wanted to blow shit up. Oh yeah. Did you ever get to blow shit up? Uh, not in that essence, but yeah, I got to blow shit up. Uh, especially in uh, MCT, you get to learn how to you know throw grenades and stuff like that. But no, that's cool. Um, you know, like setting explosives, like uh, the engineers, they have combat engineers who go out there build bridges, or you know the uh, bomb squad, uh, you know EOD. Um, they go out there and blow shit. Up. I wanted to just go out there and <laughs> blow shit up, and you know I I volunteered many times to um uh go out to Iraq and and you know uh fight on the front lines with my, my brothers and sisters, well, my brothers online, but, um, <clears throat> because I was in a technical field and, mm. uh, there's different classifications of jobs in the military. You sure. have your alphas and your bravos, right? So like whatever you score on your ASVAB, that test that they make you take in mm-hmm. high school or whatever, uh, that determines like how good of a job you can get in the military and the better, quality job the least likely they are to fap you out to go get killed so yeah. you know um so i mean essentially were you like quote unquote too valuable to be sent out to the lines that's what or? they say right uh, i don't think anybody's too valuable to go but uh yeah according to my mos mm-hmm. uh they weren't um they weren't gonna let me go to do something uh so life altering in a sense i guess yeah so you never saw any any combat or anything uh i never saw any um combat where uh individuals were shooting at me uh directly with a gun however um we max four uh okinawa um we were the first unit on the ground to build a tent city um in afghanistan so uh the uh the recon guys went in there cleared out um kandahar which was the airbase out there Mm -hmm. um they went on there cleared it out for us and then uh in march of 2002 we were the first uh units to set up base in Kandahar and wow. well, you know, the army was out there already, but we were the first Marine base out there or the Marine group. And, um, so it was still very, um, young. The, the war was still young. And right. so, uh, the Afghanis out there were, you know, knocking these mortar rounds on rocks and throw them, throwing them to the perimeter. And Jeez. so, you know, there were still like mortar fire toward the base or, you know, uh, threats of uh bombs on the base because mm-hmm. we had uh <clears throat> we kept uh these big um like i guess it'd be like a huge blob of gasoline you know that's where we, oh okay. so it was a big huge bag right like bladder yeah bladder yeah. would uh that's where we kept our gas and our water and you know our trucks and like i said um we were letting afghanis on mm-hmm. um on base to help build the base uh because not all the afghanis are right you know enemy you know yeah. so uh but it was it was an experience and um you know I, there was a very famous infamous bombing of uh a group of canadians from um an air force pilot uh because the canadians were shooting um tracers which are the the rounds that make they, they light up yeah they light up yeah. in the sky uh, so they were shooting tracers at this uh, abandoned car, this already blown up uh, vehicle, and the tracers were bouncing up into the sky. And so the pilot thought he was being shot at. Oh, uh, he didn't have enough. Um, he didn't have enough uh, time or uh, you know communication with below to to make a, uh, I guess to to know that they were Canadian, right. you know, that they were um, helpers and aides. 
and uh you know he let it out and that was i was there for that and we had wow. to do this huge service you know honor so it was a very real experience yeah. you know and uh you know people would everybody had a loaded weapon oh, well the army everybody had a loaded weapon on condition one and you know these rifles would drop you know accidentally discharging all the time and Jeez. shooting people like there were people getting shot from friendly fire on base because you know we were at the essentially kids right. that were in a peacetime scenario at you know just months ago and now we're in this wartime scenario and so everybody's kind of doing this adjustment period so um no i wasn't getting direct fire from the you know taliban but you know we were definitely in a you know um a live situation yes a life and death situation and you it creates a lot of hypervigilance so <clears throat> yeah i'd imagine yeah. i I had a friend who signed up for the army, geez, probably early 2001. And it was like, oh, yeah, you know, I'll get college out of it. It'll be great. And then 9-11 happened. And like, yeah. boom, off to Iraq he went. Yeah. And and you know, one of the things you talk about in the book was how much you change when you come back, when you're running out of the service. Yeah. And he is, I mean, I think a little bit more than even you talk about, he is way different we can't even find him anymore. Like yeah. he's, he's not on social media. He, he doesn't talk to any of his old friends. Yeah. Um, he became a pothead yeah. and just, I think he just kind of like disappeared into his own hole. Yeah. Um, I know the last communication I had with, with him was through his wife at the time who finally told me, look, we're getting a divorce. I can't take, you know, the yeah. way he is now. And she was military also. Yeah. Uh, I can't take it. The, the drugs is getting too much. And so I'm going to stop talking to you because you're his friend. I was like, well, that's fair. But, you're the only contact I have with this guy. And, yeah. and that's been probably at least four or five years now. And, yeah. and that's, you know, that's scary. You go in as he went in cause I, I, he enlisted, I think when he was still 17, he hadn't quite turned 18, which is what you did too. Right. Yeah. yeah. I had I mean, to get my mom to sign the papers. Yeah. And I think he must've had to do the same and, and went in as a kid just to get free college and, yeah. and instead got shipped off cause of nine 11. Yeah. And I didn't even, you know, my benefit, I didn't know about the college. You know, uh, I, it wasn't on my mind. You right. know, had it been on my mind, I probably wouldn't have gone to college at the time. But uh, yes, absolutely. You know, you come out here and it, it is a different world. You know, you have guys um, f- who, from the minute of joining, <laughs> think about getting out. You know, they're mm-hmm. like, I cannot wait. They're <laughs> counting down the four years and some change. Yeah. And then they get out and it's a completely different world out here and they re enlist. And they're right back into it, you right. know, whether it's a different job or maybe they, you know, had it hooked up where they come back into the same job. You know, these uh, a lot of guys coming out here is different. It, it's different. Um, and, and you try to adapt and it's hard to adapt. But, uh, you know, before the show, I had brought up that I went looking for a friend out here mm-hmm. um, where you're at. And uh, and that's the similar story. He and I met um in uh, HMI, which is the Hypnosis Motivation Institute, while we were getting certified for hypnotherapy mm-hmm. for the purpose of helping, you know, vets go through their PTSD moments. And anyway, he, uh, he was a um, he was a Marine Corps recon uh, guy. And, you know, he had his, you know, we we do our we do a thing where we don't really ask, like, hey, do you kill anybody or you right. know, we, like we know that did you did you deploy? Yeah that's pretty much you know the extent of it yeah if if you've seen stuff you know if mm. you haven't seen anything and you're in the military then you might ask a little more questions but when you've kind of experienced that then that's kind of the extent of hey how many tours did you do mm-hmm. well of, he and i assumed yeah and so he and i got uh really close and we would email and text each other and you know we'd see each other at school and go to lunch and stuff like that and uh memorial day he just disappeared and you know we 
some of the last texts I got from him were kind of just dark and you know you know scary and wow you know so uh i i tried to uh hook him up with a friend actually and memorially i haven't heard from him since and i've tried to track him down i i went to his apartment they said that uh you know somebody moved all his stuff out and um yeah it's very similar stuff just you know uh got caught up on pills and Mm -hmm. you know um i've had uh, friends, you know, there's this, everybody has noticed the 22, right? 22 push-ups for, you know, 22 oh, yeah. vets. And, uh, you know, approximately, if you don't know what I'm talking about, approximately 22 vets, um, take their lives every day. That's mm-hmm. an approximate value, but the average is 22. And I have friends, um, that I've lost who aren't just, you know, rogue guys. These, these guys have families, you know, two sure. kids, one guy had six kids, like these guys have families and wives that love them, friends that support them. Uh, some guys are still in the military when they do it. Like, it's just, it's, 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 I don't want to say epidemic, but it's epidemic. So, you know, yeah, um, it is. Um, yeah. And, uh, it doesn't help that there's not enough resources out on this side, um, or, or an exit transition, you know, something that, you know, vets who have already kind of walked the line, mm-hmm. um, have, uh, immediately available for these guys so yeah well let's talk about a little bit of the what you you know what you do for them first of all you're so you're a certified hypnotherapist i am what exactly does that, i mean you're not like snapping and people are going to sleep uh-huh. and waking up and clucking like chickens yeah well no i do make people cluck like chickens. no oh, okay. no well, uh, case. <laughs> yeah no uh hypnotherapy definitely has a bad rap on um the uh what what society sees it as um when people think hypnosis or hypnotherapy they think of stage hypnosis and stage hypnotherapy right which is a uh that is a show right um essentially those guys are out on stage looking for who's going to be the most suggestible and you know you've got a room full of hundreds of people and somebody in that room full of hundreds of people they want to get on stage and they want to you know experience the the hypnosis show they want to be a part of the show and right the more you want to be a part of the show the more likely you are to act as a part of the show mm-hmm. so yes those people are suggestible but they're not actually in a state of um deep healing hypnosis uh, i don't want to say they're not in hypnosis because you're always in a state of hypnosis but they're not in a they're not in a state where you know now you can just snap your fingers and they're going to lay down and you're going to work right. through some you know anxiety issues. Those guys are there for the show and right. you know it's a very temporary thing for them. Um, and, but what I do uh, the last year of what my experience has gone through um, how to uh, help facilitate a person um, go from the conscious awake state into a uh, hypnotic state uh, by kind of slowing the breath rate uh opening the mind working like confusing the mind so it kind of just goes in that catatonic like uh freeze moment like what's going on and then when you're at that freeze moment that's kind of when your body's like okay i'm just gonna let go Mm -hmm. and when your body gets that and when your mind gets to that then you're able to start taking the suggestions that you have given to me um so and why i say Mm -hmm. that is uh, for instance, if I'm working with a veteran with PTSD right, and, uh, and they weren't a combat vet, okay. Maybe they had, uh, maybe they had been in a uh, vehicle that had been blown up by IED. Sure. Um, well, I'm not going to say in hypnosis, you're going to forget about all the combat. You're going to forget about right. all, or, uh, all the combat that you've seen, uh, 
has only made you stronger and you can now desensitize and let that be where it is. Well, that person never served in combat. So that suggestion's never going to take right. because their subconscious does not know what you're talking about. It can't associate to your words. However, if I go into the, into the uh, process of uh, talking to you and actively listening and hearing what's hurting you and, and holding you back. And if it's, you know, every time I hear a loud boom or every time I sit in a passenger seat or, you know, uh, just watching military movies, anything that just reminds me of uh, these triggers that cause the PTSD, those are what I'm listening for. Mm-hmm. And those are what I'm trying to break down and get past and desensitize your body and your mind to, to tell yourself that, look. I have been in a car before and it's okay. I am safe today. Mm-hmm. When I wake up, I am not in Iraq. I'm not in Afghanistan. I am not in harm's way. Nobody out here is trying to get me because I'm the hero. Like stuff like that. These are things that people want to hear and mm-hmm. that build up their confidence to walk out their house and know that they are okay. And I, I teach them triggers where whether it's a, a breathing technique or whether it's an anchoring, anchoring means um, something that, uh, you can hold that's tangible, maybe a wedding ring or maybe, okay. maybe, uh, something that, uh, you wear a favorite pair of shoes or maybe you step on a mark as an actor and actors use anchoring techniques all the time. Mm-hmm. When they step on their mark, they know that it's time to turn on the character, right. you know? So, uh, anchoring techniques and hyp- hypnosis is similar. Um, so how I help people is, they come in, they talk about what it is that's holding them back, mm-hmm. and then I pick up on a few things, and then we dig deeper into that, right? And so, and and that's using visual cues of body language, uh, hearing, you know, what's between the w- words instead of you know what you're actually saying. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 being a counselor, um, and it's also being a hypnotherapist, right? So, um, and using tools like relaxation and right. uh, desensitization and um, imagery or you know uh, positive self-talk the, the, just tons and tons and tons of tools mm-hmm. so it almost sounds like you're kind of forcing their rational brain to take over instead of their kind of animalistic you know trigger response brain uh it it's actually teaching somebody that they have a rational brain okay right so um you know somebody who might be um stuck in the house because uh, they're scared to go outside, you know, uh, something you might uh, work with them on is, you know, giving them a plant mm-hmm. and say, here, I need you to take care of my plant for the next two weeks. It, it needs sunlight. It needs um, you know, water. It needs to be talked to and loved. And then, you know, that person with agoraphobia now, <clears throat> you know, opens a curtain for that plant, maybe a crack just yeah. for the plant, but the more that they open that curtain and maybe give them another plant and open another curtain. And then, you know, now there's sunlight in the house and you're teaching them that there's not, this sunlight is not bad. Right. Right. And then in hypnosis, you're reinforcing how strong they are, how positive they are, how much of a change they can make in somebody's life, how much of a change they can make in their life. And so it's a lot of reinforcing and, you know, it does, it's not just a one session thing. Sometimes sure. it could be, you know, a succession thing. Sometimes I worked with a, a, a lady who um, has been, extremely anxious she's had just this life altering anxiety ever since the northridge court quake in what 96 or something 94 94 so you know for years and years and years she's been going to counselors and medications and new you know and and nothing's worked and you know i gave her six free sessions and you know just to let her while i was interning and let her uh kind of work through it and 
you know, six sessions into it, she thanked me and said, I have never felt so good in my life. So, you know, I know it works if you're willing to let it work. So Mm -hmm. kind of have to be open to it. Yeah. Um, In the book, you talk about, uh, you know, you were the radar tech. Uh, Of course, the book, once again, how to get how to grow a beard, a military transition back into civilian lives. Um, You came out, you got another job in electronics. Mm -hmm. How did you go from that to to this? Like, how does that transition happen? It's a great question. And uh, so when I when I actually got out of the military, um, I said to myself that I'd never touch another multimeter. I I (laughs) promised to myself, I'm never going to touch another multimeter. And then I found myself doing the same exact job that I just got out from doing. And uh, which, you know, in itself, it's a blessing because it's allowed me to get to this point in my life. However, um, there was a, uh, there was a, a turning moment in my life and um, I had decided that I was going to go back. I had started my bachelor's degree uh, in psychology back in 2002 after my first tour in Afghanistan. Okay. My, my only tour in Afghanistan. But um, I'd started it back in 2002. And then there was uh, – I'd gone through exercise and deployments and finally finished my uh, associates <clears throat> in 2009. And then uh, when I got out, I got this – great job where you know uh if i traveled i was making six figures so and i had a security clearance that had been renewed and so at at some time in my life i thought well i don't need to finish school this is you know this is it right i thought i'd you know go through the managerial roles and whatnot anyway there was there was a, a a turning point and um i decided that i was going to finish school and once i finished school uh my this whole time I got married and then my wife was pregnant. My son was born in May and that May I started my master's program for school counseling. Hmm. Um, okay. So from, uh, you know, when I was, I don't know, seventh grade, I'd always known I wanted to be a high school guidance counselor. I don't know. You know, <laughs> most kids want to be like a police fan. Yeah. You know, I'm the nerd. Astronaut. Yeah, I, I want to be a high school guidance counselor. <laughs> like, who, why? Which is interesting because, I mean, even as a kid, because uh, <laughs> when you think of a high school guidance counselor, you don't think of like these super cool winner type people. Yeah. You know, you know it's, everyone, it's every strange. now and then they'll have that story of like, oh, I had the best guidance. Yeah. And if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have done, you know, X, Y, or Z. Yeah. But, you know, 95% of what you hear about yeah. guidance counselors is not... Yeah. And, you know, and that, that kind of ties into some of the story, but, and, you know, my guidance counselor, the guidance counselor who made me want to be a guidance counselor, it wasn't even my guidance counselor. You know, (laughs) he was just a cool guy on campus that, you know, was relatable to the students. And, you know, from what I saw, he gave a shit, you know, excuse my language. Um, but, uh, I don't know why, you know, (laughs) anyway, so I, I got on that path so i uh i enrolled at the local college here and uh went mm-hmm. through their school counseling program i gotten a, a uh interning job out here at a middle school oh. um and uh i was offered a paid internship um when i was ready for lasd and hmm. so i'd gone through this process with lasd uh trying to get this paid internship at one of the local middle schools here yeah and uh i had been um stopped on the um the, uh, the background check aspect and why is because uh, LAUSD runs a DOJ Department of Justice mm-hmm. check and I had been cleared by the DOJ for to work at the Science Center um, volunteer diving over there okay and uh, so I didn't think I had a problem plus I have a security clearance working at uh, 
this radar company right. that had been renewed. So I have now been renewed by the uh, the DOD, right? Uh, the Department of Defense, mm-hmm. the highest security clearance I can right. have. And then here I am getting uh, uh, passed through the DOJ to work at the Science Center. Well, I go through the DOJ to, uh, to work at LESD, and they said that you know I can't work at LESD because of a fight that I was in in the Marine Corps that ended up, you know, taking my career out. So, right. and I, yeah, you know, I, I'd written this appeal letter, sent it into Sacramento, mm-hmm. went into the LAUSD office here at, uh, you know, in downtown and, and gave them the court transcripts. Oh, just, I put my life out there, you know, as I knew I should. <clears throat> um, and you know, uh, the, 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 um, director, he said to me, he goes, look, you're great. This, you're the kind of guy I need on my staff, but they're not going to budge. Um, this, you, you're not going to be able to work with kids. And, you know, I, and that was my dark moment, right? So, right. you know, um, not every vet goes out and gets depressed and, you know, has these moments, but that was my moment. My, the, the moment that I knew from a child, I wanted to be a high school guidance counselor. I'm sitting here interning and being offered the next job, you know, right. only two months into my, my program, well above my peers, uh, you know, it was a very, it was a swift kick to the dick, like, you know, and it, it hurt and it made me question who I was and where my life was going and, you know, the, my future, what can I do now? And right. It was incredible. And so, um, I was at this low, low, low point in my life and, um, uh, New Year's Eve, 2013, 2014, uh, my wife was putting my son to sleep. Um, at the, at 12, my wife was putting my son to sleep and my buddy, uh, two of my friends were over at the house Mm -hmm. because we couldn't go out. And so, um, we're sitting there talking and and my friend, you know, he's like, man, like, why do you feel you need to be a counselor? Cause at that time I'd started thinking about what now, you know, it's, it's, it's never like, let me just sit in this darkness and sulk it's like okay what's what's the next plan mm-hmm. so i'd start thinking about my mft program maybe getting into the marriage family therapy or you know lpcc and my friend said uh why do you think that you need to be in an office to help people hmm. and uh i i looked at him and i said well what do you mean he says he goes well i went to this tony robbins seminar and they gave oh, yeah. me a life coach and he said uh you can run circles around her he <laughs> goes uh he goes this is something that you could do. You should look into it. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, at that point I was like, well, who am I to say, Hey, I'm your life coach now. <laughs> like who am I to get paid for like, you know, uh, giving people advice and seems weird, right? It, it's a very, it's a very like haughty, totty kind of yeah. like title. I'm better than you. Yeah. And it, uh, but the more I looked into it and, um, I, I kind of realized that, you know, people, people value this profession because, mm-hmm. You know, and you're talking about all the way up to, you know, <clears throat> Bill, uh, Bill Clinton and Obama. You know, mm-hmm. they've all talked to Tony Robbins and, you know, he's right. a motivational speaker. And uh, Yeah, everyone's heard of Tony yeah. Robbins. So, uh, and so there's something there. And so uh, I put it out there like, okay, you know, times are tough and, and stuff happens, but this is the role I'm looking at now. And a buddy of mine from way, a buddy, of my mother's from way back when mm-hmm. reached out to me, Hey Bobby, you know, uh, you need to come talk to me because, uh, you know what I do. Right. And, uh, <laughs> I said, no, he goes, uh, you know, I, you know, life coaching, that's, that's what I do. And so I, I did go to his house for 
four hours listening <laughs> to him talk about hypnosis and HMI and I'm sitting there like, you know, rolling my eyes and like, okay, you know, I get it. And, but I put it in my calendar mm-hmm. and, uh, when, um, it, at some point when my mind was ready to say, okay, let's check it out. You know, after it popping up twice a day on my calendar, I was like, fine. I looked <laughs> into it and I signed up that day for HMI. And, um, because I have a background in psychology, right. my BA is in psychology, my BS is psychology. And, um, and so the very first week I, I'd heard so many things that I'm like, yeah, I jive with this. You know, I get, I get the subconscious, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Freud has the, the, um, the model of the id, the super id, and the ego, right? right. Or the super ego and the ego, and so that uh, closely related to what they were teaching us about the conscious, the uh, subconscious, and the uh, um, critical mind. And so, mm-hmm. like a, a lot of stuff lined up. It was just a different yeah. verbiage, and right. so uh, because it lined up a lot with how I had already thought and like how I, you know, kind of quit smoking. I used to smoke from the age of twelve, and then you wow. know, uh, I just quit cold turkey one day you know uh i had a drug problem in high school and mm-hmm. you know i i uh od'd and woke up cried and prayed to god and i quit that day just like i was able to do that stuff mm-hmm. i knew that the mind is stronger than what we think it's capable of and then i'm hearing this message from this new hypnosis school <laughs> and then you know it, it it all just Life has kind of just been pulling me. Yeah. So that's kind of how I found my way in here. Kind Sorry of, to be so <laughs> long, long, long and wind. No, that's perfect. Um, <laughs> I'll like be short and, and sweet now. <laughs> hey, no one <laughs> listens to a podcast to be short. Don't you worry. But it seems like a, a, it's a normal transition. Um, why is it such a hard transition to come back as a civilian? Like what... What is it that's lacking for military? You know, is it that lack of command? And like you said, you you were waiting to be told to go eat lunch. Yeah. You know, is is it that lack of command? Is it just because they've seen action and now they're you know have PTSD? You know, what's like the biggest problem for transitioning vets? Um, there's there's a few there's a few that are just really solid. Um, yes, there are problems with uh, you know being kind of having that freedom like learning what freedom is all over again Mm -hmm. um you know i have a hashtag that i promote for the beard freedom beard Mm. uh hence the how to grow a beard Mm -hmm. anywho uh the uh the biggest problem is that people enjoy being around vets but people don't enjoy being around vets. Okay. And what I mean about that is that people people are like, oh, you're a hero and this, that, and the other. Sure. But, like, realistically, a lot of us are just crew. Well, let me speak for the Marines, okay? <laughs> because, you know, uh, people in the Air Force, uh, you know, you can see it's like each service has its own personality. Mm-hmm. Okay. But Absolutely. I'll speak for the Marines in, in general. And it, it blends in well with some of the individuals from the other services, but Marines specifically, we're crude. We like to tell fart jokes, you know, <laughs> but we like to have fun. We party, we, we work hard and we play yeah. harder, you know, and, um, we are very respectful. We do the yes, sir. No, sir. We, you know, I can't tell you when, um, I, I don't know if I wrote in the book or not, but uh, I was asked to go to somebody's office and I'm standing out in front of a cubicle oh, at yes. parade rest, you know, like you know, we, we don't do that. Um, people aren't used to that. But when you get past that and you start getting 
kind of comfortable around your peers and mm-hmm. you start loosening up, then you start realizing that your worst, you working at your your worst, your most half ass, your your the just lazy is eighty percent better than what some of these civilians are putting out. Yeah. And they're getting paid three times, four times more than you are, you know? Um and even if, maybe it's because they have uh a degree but you have that OJT, the on on the job training, sure, and so yeah. like you come out here, I, and I'll tell a very specific story. Um, I was I was given this job at uh, this radar company, mm-hmm. and for for uh, the first couple weeks, they made me learn my job. Like there was no training, there was no uh, you know, there was no support, there was no powerpoint telling me you know (laughs) what goes where like they gave me a brand new radar that i'd never seen in my life and i all i had to go off of were tms and somebody to teach me how to work these tms right and then on the floor you know there's guys out there doing their own thing and maybe i'd pull them in but Mm -hmm. i had to learn the system by myself and then uh, i guess they thought i did it very well because they gave me my own system they're like okay this system is yours and you will be going out as the lead unheard of being i had only been there three months right um and so as the lead on the system we go out we're testing it and uh the logistical project manager and uh the project manager and a bunch of other people in this meeting in the lpm the logistic project manager was recommending something just astronomically crazy right like mm-hmm. something no offense only a civilian can think of <laughs> and uh and I said, well, there's an easy way to do this. Why don't we do X, Y, Z? He looks at me and he tells me, you don't have the right to talk right now because you're just a new guy. And the PM turns and he says, no, everybody has a voice in my meeting, this, that, and the other. They ended up doing what I wanted, what I brought up because it only made sense. Uh, And the PM pulls me in and he says, look, you have a voice. Don't ever feel that you don't have a voice on my team. Uh, you have a voice. Everything that you say, you know, is something that brings the table. Your teammate, this and the other. So he gave me a little bit of confidence because right. at the time the LPM had said something like that I'd like taken away. But that's the mindset of the civilian. They want to work with the vet because we're heroes, and you know, we, you know, we may have killed somebody. And we're <laughs> combat. We're, we're going to protect them. You know, if somebody comes and robs the store, sure. like there's this, there's this like nostalgia of having a vet right next to you i i see like people just enjoy it but people don't enjoy vets because we are pushy and bossy and we feel that we know everything Mm -hmm. or like we have a better way of doing stuff and you know a lot of vets you know a lot of vets are stubborn in their ways and you can't tell them and they're unteachable unless another vet is teaching them you know and so it's a little give and take like some of it is our fault a lot of it's not our fault um because because of reaction right Mm -hmm. if in the military you're told to do something it got done there was no why there was no questioning there was no you know uh well you know you could probably say, hey, there's a better way to do this and then, you know, on the side, but you're not doing it in front of a big group and embarrassing somebody. Sure. Like, you know, there's there's ways how us in the military deal with stuff, but everything always gets done and there's no like email trails. You don't need to, <laughs> you know, ask 400 people in right. an email if you can go put a bolt on something right now. And in this company, it's this, it's that. Yeah. If I want to work on a system, I have to ask for permission because, sorry, they, uh, because they have, uh, you know, uh, job numbers you have to charge to a different account. And oh, it's like, yeah. 
can't I just get my job done? <laughs> I don't need all this red tape. Just let right. me put a wrench in my hand. Let me go do this. I'll fix all seven of those systems by next Tuesday. Yeah. You know, it's good. Done yesterday. Yeah. And then we can just put our feet up and, you know, like throw paper balls at each other <laughs> and all the work be done. But it's not like that out here. Yeah. You know, it's not efficient. There's no, there's no, uh, time management is just disgusting. And then we're, everybody's now hiring cheap labor, which doesn't mean, it's you know quality labor Absolutely. so like you're hiring these like managers who don't know how to manage mm-hmm. and then you know you're getting yeah this guy only served four years in the marine corps but he's done that job every single <laughs> day for the last four years right maybe for 20 hours a day and you know? in high pressure situations you know so you have to understand where these guys are coming from. A guy, a mechanic who comes out of the Motor T Bay knows every in and out of that engine mm-hmm. and can probably fix it in half the time a guy coming out of, you know, Amco's <laughs> certification club. Right. You know, and but you put them together at the same company, it, the problems happen, you know. A buddy of mine owns a bike store mm-hmm. down in San Diego. He fixes motorcycles, and he is so tedious. He he joined the Marine Corps with me. Mm. So tedious, and and his he's very meticulous in cleanliness and and you know quality of the product sure. of his bikes because he's like people ride these and this I keep people safe and make them go fast. Yeah, and he's gone through six or seven mechanics who can't hang with him <laughs> because you know. He's like, that's not right. Yeah. You got to do it better, you know. So, for for a lot of military member members, quality, you know, trumps qual uh, quantity any day. Sure. But in the civilian world, you find that quantity trumps quality, and I think that is the primary reason that vets don't do well out here. It's kind of the, the clashing of oh yeah personality. Yeah, and then you you just start to learn to shut your mouth and just do crappy work you become you become you become something you don't want to become yeah i mean it's hard i work with government clients yeah you want to talk about 400 emails you want to talk about just sitting on your hands and wait it's like can i just get this done already Mm -hmm. like no we gotta get approval Mm -hmm. from four different people yeah it's like what yes it's it's horrible i mean it's sometimes you're sitting there and all of a sudden it's like all right we need this tomorrow like wait what do you mean you need this tomorrow we've been asking you for three weeks Uh to give us approval (laughs) you're not getting it tomorrow you you uh you have nothing coming yeah um, all right. So in terms of transition vets and, you know, we, we talked about the VA and, and the problems they have, like what is the government doing right with helping vets transition? I think that, um, the government is starting to listen to veterans that are, that, um, have been through it and they're coming out and they're trying to work with a lot of the guys, um, on how to make things better. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, there's been a push recently, uh, to start looking internally to the the veteran associations, uh, the hospitals primarily, mm-hmm. um, on the long wait lines, on the long wait times. Um, ever since I've been out, uh, I've seen an increase in um, uh, um, appointment reminders. So I'll get postcards now saying, yeah. "Hey, you have appointment," and they're on time. You know, they're <laughs> they're not like on the day of the appointment or two days later. But um, they send out appointment notifications now. You'll get phone calls reminding you. So uh, guys, um, guys who are kind of in that in that mindset where it's, you know, again, I'm blessed because I have two VA so like uh, uh, hospitals near me. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, but some people have to drive three hours, you know, yeah. they have ride shares. Um, so the VA is, 
the VA is starting to listen. That's the best thing they can do. Yeah. You know, um, when you start to listen, you hear that there's problems. When you hear there's problems, you try to solve them, right? So as long as they're listening, they're sending out questionnaires. Every time you go to a, a, a medical professional there, whether it be the optometrist or the podiatrist, they'll send you a questionnaire. Hey, will you take this survey mm-hmm. on this doctor? You know, so they're trying to figure out that's good. what's there. It, so, it seems like they're making that transition from, you know, being like the DMV yeah. to kind of actually caring and yeah. making things work. Yeah. You know, when you have, you know, a million veterans, you know, screaming yeah. at politicians about how bad the VA is, you know, somebody's got to, somebody's got to look into it. Um, then on, but what's not happening and, uh, you know, I'd like to mention some people I've met, um, sure. But uh, what's not happening is that, um, in fact, one of the one of the when the book came out mm-hmm. a week later, uh, this gentleman called uh, his he was called Justin <laughs> Sowell. No, his name's Justin uh, Justin Sowell, and he is creating a um, a nonprofit organization called My Veteran Community. And okay. um, so he reached out to me. And he said, "Man, if I had this book three years ago, uh, my life." probably would have been different you know mm-hmm. there's a lot of information in here that you know veterans need to hear and he introduced himself as the owner and uh and runner of my veteran community which is a nonprofit that uh wants to highlight he told me that there's thousands of nonprofits out there for veterans sure. that we will never find because of uh bad seo right they create yeah. these uh websites that um their only seo says iraq or afghanistan but guess what when you type in iraq, iraq or afghanistan those are actually countries you right know? so you like, get millions of results yeah. before that yeah you're not getting to yeah. you know grandma g's you know <laughs> va helpline you're not getting there because yeah. you can't find them and so there's all this help and resource and money out there that is unattainable because you cannot get to it. And so one of his big things besides having uh, creating a mentorship program mm-hmm. uh, uh, for vets transitioning out, because let me kind of backtrack. When you are in the military, say uh, you and your wife move from Pendleton to Okinawa, okay. well, you will, be, um, you will be attached to a mentor. So another oh, okay. family who has gone through the process of getting on island and you know going to get your driver's license. Sure. So when you leave, when you leave from one base to another, you you get a mentor. You're mm-hmm. attached to somebody. The same should be when you get out. When you get yeah. out, you should be attached to somebody. Like this is the ro- here are the ropes. You know you can call me the same. So that's what he's essentially trying to do. Okay. Um. And that's yeah. And so, uh, those those are the kinds of things that. Um, are good. There's people out there who do want to help, but we can't find them. Right. You know. Uh. And unfortunately, and fortunately, you know, not to knock the VA, the VA is there. Yeah. But the VSOs are always also there, and people don't know about that. That's you know the disabled American veterans or the American Legion, the you know, uh, the Purple Heart Foundation. So mm-hmm. those are all VSOs that are able to help these guys as well that do the same exact thing the VA can do. Right. You know, and they, they do it for you. So, um, those are the good things. And, and, yeah. you know, Michelle Obama and, um, the honorable Michelle Obama and, uh, um, miss Jill, Dr. Jill Biden, they, uh, started a reform for, uh, taking care of vets at the same time. So hmm. people are listening and things are moving just, um, you know, patience right yeah progression takes time and, and it's the government so it's <laughs> gonna take a while 
a while, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Like, like we always say, moving at the speed of government. <laughs> Nothing. I've uh, never heard that, but I should, you know, <laughs> definitely adopt that one. Please. <laughs> um, all right. So let's say a, a vet kind of finds out who you are. Yeah. You guys are, pat- he's walking down the street. He goes, oh, that's, uh, that's Graves. Yeah. He's a, he's a life coach. He helps us out. I, one, one question you know, he has 10 seconds to ask you and it's just like, what should I do? I just got out. What's the one thing I can do right now to yeah. help myself the absolute most? And Buy you know, my book. <laughs> there you go. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'd probably give him a book. But uh, one of the, the, the one thing uh, I would tell somebody is to find a VSO, a veteran service organization, and tell them that you just, um, you just transitioned. Um, from whatever branch of service you were in. And these are the things that you're looking for. Mm-hmm. Uh, VSO is most likely going to take care of you when it comes to, uh, you know, health compensa- uh, compensation. So, you know, uh, going to get your health checks and making sure that you're good to go mm-hmm. and that you get paid for anything that happened. So, like, you know, if you lost your hearing or, you know, uh, sure. you, you broke your back and you were too, too stubborn to go to medical. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. Uh, oh, I know someone like yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, the VSOs will definitely help you out in that aspect, and they'll ask you, you know, if you need any financial aid. They'll make sure that you're you're good to go mentally. If you need any help, the VSOs will take care of you, um, and they'll they'll do it all in one shot right there, and mm-hmm. make sure that you are set up for appointments uh, with the VA, and that um, you are set up with appointments with any kind of financial aid or anything that you need. The VSO is able to do that if you let them know that this is what you're looking for. I don't, and you can go in there and say, I don't even know what you offer. But I just got out, so you know. Can you please help me? Yeah, that makes total sense. Yeah. You know, I I have a friend who's a ranger, former ranger, yeah. and he was out for years before he finally found a VSO. And the, in fact, I was at the bar with him when he met a guy from I don't remember which organization yeah. it was, but he's like, yeah, you know, I was, you know, I served like oh, and they started you know exchanging war stories, yeah. of course. And then he was telling him about his back problems, and he also has hearing problems. And he goes, oh, well, did you get that taken care of? No. Well, you know, are you, do you yeah. belong to us? Do you belong to him? No. Why not? <laughs> so yeah. he's like, here's what I could do for you. Like yeah. tomorrow yeah. I could get this taken care of. And, yeah. and it was like the light bulb. You could see it go. He's like, holy shit. Like yeah. I had no idea. And it's, it's kind of sad that he was out for so long before he had any idea yeah. that any of that, any of that was possible. And a lot of those VSO guys are, uh, bitter towards the VA. So they're like, oh, really? I'm going to do everything I can to, you know, to just rub it in their face. But I mean, they're not rubbing it in the face. The VA is large, but still, you know, they're, they're out there saying, look, the VA is not the place for you to be. And I'm going to be here to work for you. So come and see me, Mm -hmm. you know, and those, I mean, if you, if there was a guy here in this chair right now, like he was a VSO officer, you would see the uh, emotion and the passion that they have. They're just like, I'm going to get you everything you deserve. That's what it was like that night at the bar. I mean, he's <laughs> like, what do you mean? You haven't done any of this yeah. stuff yet. You know, I'll get it for you tomorrow. Come he, see me. He had a heart on when he walked out. He's yeah. like, I'm going to help you. Yeah. Don't yeah. look at my pants. Yeah. Can't stand up. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's funny. No, it's, and it's true. And it's, and it's sad that more people don't, uh, don't realize what's out there. <laughs> yeah. It, uh, there should really be, uh, a book given to these guys with like highlighted, like call this person right get out. Yeah. So maybe that book could be how to grow a beard. How to, how to <laughs> grow a beard. I was in, um, I was in Camarillo yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a veteran expo and, uh, a buddy of mine sent me the link of the veteran expo in Camarillo, which is supposed to do a lot of, uh, there's supposed to be, um, job interviews and stuff going sure. on there and free Carl's jr. So, <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, you gotta lure him in. However, right, right? Papa John's, Carl's Jr. <laughs> and uh, and there was a pony. But oh, I uh, for the pony. Yeah, see, see, everybody yeah. Needed, wanted something. Yeah, but uh, I went there with um, forty eight books in my backpack, uh, and with the intention of just handing them out to people. And so I went and I said, Hey, are you in the middle of transition? And uh, you know, everybody I sat there and walked up to that was in the middle of transition. Um, they took this book and I, you know, whether they were five years away from transition, 10 years away from transition mm-hmm. or had been out, I met a guy who'd been out 10 years and he's like, I'm having a hard time still. And wow. I, you know, and I said, here, here's this book. This is most transition books all revolve around, how to get a job mm. or how to go to school. Right. And How to Grow a Beard is a book that incorporates both of those, except for it also incorporates how to be yourself and how to not get ran over mm-hmm. while you're out here, you know, because people will run all over you and take advantage of you. And, you know, people don't, re- they don't remember us or they remember us in a specific light. And we might still be that same person. But we're extremely different at the right. same time. So, um, so I would I met these people and I'm handing these books and I'm meeting these families and you know somebody took a picture of me and posted it on the, their website <laughs> and it was crazy. It was just incredible to meet these people. Yeah. But I met a young lady uh, who, um, in fact, Catherine Vaughn. Uh, she had been out two years now and she's having one of the hardest times she was actually i caught her on the way out she was going to the parking lot i said hey are you in the middle of transition by chance and you know she just opened up to me and she's like yeah you know it's hard uh the same story that i hear from you know 80 percent of the people i talk to yeah Mm -hmm. it's hard you know i've been having a hard time and uh she and I talked. She ended up giving me her resume. And her resume, she's a communication specialist in broadcasting journalism. And her resume looked superb. Like, it yeah. visually looked superb, you know. And she's, uh, she was, you know, emotional over a very little sum of money that the college needed for her to be able to. It, and she couldn't get this money, mm-hmm. right? And so, uh, on, um, so I met her and later I'd met this other gentleman named Jose Delara, who is also a, uh, uh, nonprofit organizer, uh, organizer mm. who reached out to me some months ago and out of nowhere, just like you kind of said, Hey, you're Robert Graves. Yeah. And I said, yeah. Uh, and so we sat there and talked and he wants me to be a part of his nonprofit mentoring individuals as well. Very cool. Um, and he runs veterans MVP. And so his concept is similar to Justin's where, you know, these guys get out and mentor, but he also has, uh, he established a program in Berkeley, um, when he was going to school up there Mm -hmm. that was helping veterans kind of, um, deal with their emotional states. And he also like Justin would like to use my book as a background, uh, a baseline for guys that go through this program and he'll have next year, he'll have a, um, a retreat uh to to help these guys and he's asked me to be a speaker with him for that Very nice. but when i meet these people um i i kind of take note of how i can help them mm-hmm. and how they can help me or somebody else that i've come along for so when i met jose and I had been talking to Kathleen earlier. Jose had actually told me that there was an organization for her to call and said, hey, have her give me a call. So I'm not just helping people from my book. I'm right. helping people contact each other for the resource that they need. Um, I was 
uh, approached by uh, a lady who wanted to start a nonprofit. I'm attracting nonprofits, <laughs> apparently. By the way, <laughs> you know, I yeah, this lady wanted to start a nonprofit with her dog to be a, uh, a service dog to you know the uh, VA. Like hospitals, a therapy dog. A therapy dog. Yeah. And uh, I had actually just talked to, I'd given some books to a uh, um, a dog kennel, uh, raising dogs for veterans with mm-hmm. amputees or, or who need them for, who need the service dog. Mm-hmm. And so I I was able, because they both had reached out to me, I was able to connect them together. And so it's all about connections and getting people to where they need. And this is, you know, I've given, I've given many 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 more books in in dollars than i've ever made so it's not about uh making the money off of this this is about having people be able to walk out of the service on their feet instead of stumbling and with their face in the mud so yeah and and somebody who you know obviously i I was not in the military i read the book um so it doesn't help me in the sense that you know help me get a job or transition obviously but I learned things about people coming out of the, the military that you would never think of. Yeah. And I don't know, this was probably not an intended uh, purpose of the book at all, but if you have someone that is coming out of the military, you should read it, just kind of know how they're going to be feeling and how uh, their emotional mindset is as they come out. It might make things a little easier. Kind of like, uh, you know, if you have an alcoholic parent, you're going to go to Al-Anon to kind of figure out how yeah. to deal with them. This is this could be like that Al-Anon for yeah. military veterans. And um, that was something that my wife really kind of harped on um, after I'd finished the book. She said, this is, you know, you can market this to uh, allies of veterans and family of veterans and, you know, girlfriends. Boy. Like, this is something that everybody needs to read mm-hmm. um, to understand that. And uh, I, I commend the uh, Veteran uh, Resource Center at um, Cal State Long Beach because they have this seminar um, where they, I know your viewers won't be able to see it, but they give out <laughs> this uh, sticker. It's called VetNet Alley okay. after you've completed this course. And VetNet Alley just means that you're a ally of veterans. And so he has all the staff, like he'll hold these seminars uh, monthly or bi month or every other month. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, these new um instructors or anybody in staff at Cal State Long Beach goes through this process and they get to put the sticker up. And if the sticker's up, a veteran knows that they can go in there and, you know, have a safe spot. Okay. But his, why I like what he does is he teaches these individuals that kind of like what I said earlier, like, don't ask if you've ever killed anybody, you know, (laughs) like there's, if you want to be a veteran ally, you have to, you have to understand some stuff about veterans. There, there's a baseline, there's a foundation of what you should understand, and that's kind of like what this book does. You know, it, it does. It gives that outline. You know, it. You know, I give lessons about veterans having to be and learn humbleness, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean that we need to be humble all the time. You know, we we need to be walked all over. Uh, civilians should understand that veterans are trying mm-hmm. to fit in right. and they're they're lowering their energy level to <laughs> to try to match you yeah. you know and this is not how we always are like we can actually be 10 to 15 to 100 times more energetic and more productive right now but we know that we burn you out yeah you know and so we have to like kind of work down to you instead of you work up to us and that's kind of that's something that employers and employees can take, and it's something that I've also used for another workshop, um, kind of a teach the teacher workshop. Mm-hmm. You know how to how to work with veterans. So that's something that I'm also creating. I like that, and it's something like we said before. You don't really think about like these people are going to come out and they're just 
they're gung ho. You don't think about how you're going to like clash with that mm-hmm. style. Uh, very last question before we get out of here. What is a very common misconception about pe- you know from civilians about people coming out of the military that you know former military personnel uh, that were all crazy? <laughs> like, seriously, like uh, um, a misconception is that we've all seen combat, mm-hmm. that we've all been shot at, that we've all shot somebody, that we're all you know messed up in the head, that we all have PTSD, that all PTSD is the same. Okay, uh, that's a huge misconception. Uh, all PTSD is not the same. Sure. Um, and uh, just because you have PTSD doesn't mean that you're not a person or that you're not physically capable or emotionally or mentally capable of, of doing stuff. Um, <clears throat> we have to understand, you know, uh, boundaries. Mm-hmm. Boundaries is a huge thing. Um, members of the military, veterans, tend to only let very few people in uh, their circle. Um, and it, it's all about trust. You know, uh, they have to trust you first and, and a lot of people will trust you until you're untrustable. And a lot of people won't trust you until you've proven that you can be trustworthy. Mm-hmm. It's the same with, you know, civilian mentality, but sure. the, 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 um, the levels, the threshold, uh, that it takes is more right. Um, cause I have to be like, when I worked with this radar company, I'm out on the road for six months with one other person. If right. I don't trust you and there has been a job where it, it was just like, I'm going to murder this person, <laughs> you know, it, it happened to be another veteran, you know? So, uh, it, if you don't trust somebody, then we don't need to be around you. It's not even, we don't want to, we yeah. absolutely don't need just a waste of time. Yeah. You're, you, you're just baggage that you're, I don't need to be around you. I'm holding you up. I'm making you look good. I'm, I'm making you feel good and you shouldn't like something. There's boundaries, there's limits, and mm. there's trust. PTSD is not all the same, um, and we all did not see combat. There's a lot of a lot of individuals who did not see combat, um, but most of all, uh, most of all, I hope that the whole world listens to this one podcast for this <laughs> one line. Enlisted personnel can do and will do just as good of a job as officers who get out and the reason i say that is because um i've come across a lot of uh you know blogs or uh pictures specifically from hr departments that separate what jobs officers can get and what jobs enlisted can get you know enlisted can be phone screeners sure officers can be managers but what people don't understand is that enlisted teach the officers you know we the backbone of the marine corps are the ncos Mm -hmm. not the officers i love officers to death (laughs) bless their hearts you know and there you know there's tons and tons and tons of great officers out there especially you know now as civilian uh managers however enlisted should not be uh discriminated against Enlisted should not be discriminated against. These guys are some of the best people at their jobs. Uh, and I would trust uh, a four-year enlisted uh, individual to do the same job as a 16-year veteran uh, in, in the same job mm-hmm. as a civilian. Um, so that is a stance that I will be making um, throughout my career. Uh, I, however I can get it to mainstream, I will. 
but uh, I was enlisted. I'm proud to be enlisted. And uh, but I know that I can run circles around you know 80 percent of the officers I've ever worked for. So uh, and that are working in the civilian world today. Mm-hmm. And that's again not a shot at officers, but it the enlisted needs to um, have their their place to shine as well. Mm-hmm. So. I think that's a good place to end it. Yeah. Uh, once again, the book, How to Grow a Beard, a Military Transition Guide Back into Civilian Life. It's Robert Graves. Get him at coachgraves.com. And social medias? Uh, can I have a book? <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, it's funny. I just talked to my wife yesterday, and I was like, I need a card to figure out all my social media. Um, but I have, and I only pull this out to be <clears throat> accurate, Uh <laughs> My website is coachgraves.com. That's me personally. The book's website is howtogrowabeardbook.com. Okay. Um, the Twitter for how to grow a beard is how the number two grow a beard. Um, and the Facebook is how to grow a beard book. Um, also, for life coaching and whatnot, uh, if you go to at livecoachgraves for Twitter and Instagram, how to how to grow a beard book. Um, also, can I say one more thing? Absolutely. Sorry. Um, uh, year of the vet hashtag year of the vet was something to promote the book as well. Kind of just, Hey, this is the year of the vet. We're going to do big things. Um, but it's actually turned into a project of mine, um, where I'm, um, spotlighting a lot of vets, right? So I'm, I'm reaching out to veterans that I know are doing big things. For instance, a, a guy I served with from boot camp to today, uh, Lorenzo McNulty, um, who's running, uh, he has a website or his Facebook is at Lorenzo leads, but he's got, um, a project that he's working on called uh, wealth Academy where he's teaching individuals. You know, I mean, I understand that, uh, there's, there's people teaching money is a diamond dozen, right? But right. this gentleman has taken upon himself because of his background of, you know, growing up on, you know, bread and water, yeah. you know, having his pregnant wife climb up, you know, 10 flights of stairs to get to their apartment. But he's made it a point to take care of his women in his life. And so he's uh, written the book, um, uh, A Girl's Gotta Have Her Own Money. And he's kind of started financial stuff that way and helping veterans also. So um, I'm I'm really collecting a lot of veterans under my my arms. And we're going to do big things, hence the hashtag you're the vet. So soon I will be uh, promoting that as well. Um, so you can come to my site and look at you're the vet um, for my own interviews with, with veterans doing big things. Very nice. That'll be, that'll be uh, cool. I appreciate you letting me plug that. Please, no, <laughs> not a problem. I appreciate you coming in. So coachgraves.com, uh, all the social medias, and I'm sure those are all listed on the website also, right? Yeah. So uh, then they're all linked together. Yeah. Perfect. Easy. All right. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for your service. Thank you once again to Robert Graves coming over, making the trip over here, being in studio with me. Uh, if you guys, if, you, if you're a transitioning vet, and like he said, even if you're five, ten years out, uh, I recommend this book, How to Grow a Beard, A Military Transition Guide Back into Civilian Life. And if you're the family or friend of a, a military person coming back, I highly recommend it. I learned some things you know, that I would never know otherwise. So it really kind of gets into that mindset. So check it out. Uh, look, one thing he really wanted to stress was if you have questions, if you don't know what to do, there are people out there and at the very least contact him and he can, you know, at least help you out a little bit. Uh, definitely find the different services that are out there outside of the VA. The VA is, uh, you know, a big government agency. It's like the DMV for vets. So 
Find a, a service that'll help you, be a little bit of a concierge to you, and uh, go that route. If you'd like to get into contact with Robert Graves, whether you want some coaching or you just have some questions for him, uh, check out his website, coachgraves.com. You can also get him on Twitter, at livecoachgraves, and on Facebook, it's also livecoachgraves. So check him out. He'd be absolutely happy to help you out, so, so make sure you contact him. Anyways, uh, that's all. If you want to contact us, you know how to do it. I want to know show.com and don't forget to click on that guests button. It'll get you all the information you need. You want uh, any of Mr. Graves links? They're right there. Just go to guests. Of course, facebook.com slash I want to know show at I want to know show on Twitter and the email. I want to know pod at gmail.com. Thank you guys for listening. If you like beer, don't forget to check out my new show, the unfiltered gentleman. Uh, it's a little different from this one, but uh, like I said, if you like beer, check it out. Anyways, that's all I got for you. Thanks again to Robert. Thanks again to you guys for listening and telling a friend and everything that you do to help the show. And on that note, good night, everybody. Good night, everybody.